Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. Here's what I'd like to do in this episode. I want to focus on one particular topic, which is the topic of propaganda. And I want people to understand that the term propaganda is not a bad word. Propaganda does not mean bad things all of the time. There is, quite literally, evil propaganda and good propaganda. And it is done, as you would expect, on purpose. Both of them are done on purpose. There are many people, of course, who have spoken about propaganda as as a phenomenon and even taught it and written about it at great length. Propaganda, of course, used to be a course that existed within American schools, and it was taught with regularity. In fact, it was almost a requirement to graduate from either high school or college-slash-university level when you would attend those institutions. And, of course, you took this course, which would last at least a semester in many cases, and there may have even been varying degrees of propaganda courses and teaching people about what propaganda is. The most objective explanation that I have heard regarding propaganda is what I just said earlier, which is there is evil propaganda and there is good propaganda. That evil propaganda in the long term, of course, as you would expect, seeks to divide people, it seeks to control people, it seeks to hurt people, and ultimately get them killed or maimed or whatever it may be for the purposes of being eliminated at the hands of the individuals pushing the evil propaganda. Now, as we know, there are useful idiots, and this term was coined, of course, by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels in the Communist Manifesto, that they would use these useful idiots, the people who would believe evil propaganda, and that they would be used for remarkably nefarious reasons in order to push whatever message it is that they wanted pushed on the masses. And regardless of whether it's evil propaganda or good propaganda, and regardless of who is is pushing it, the purpose is, in fact, to be directed at the masses. The more individuals that you can get to believe a message, whether it be, again, a good message for good reasons, and a good means to an end, or a good end, or evil propaganda, which of course invokes fear and hostility and division and demoralization and a number of other things that are consistently used to ultimately reach a evil end. And as we would expect, one of the more evil ends is either living with guilt that you have done something horribly wrong that you didn't know you did wrong, or actually dying yourself or getting someone else killed. This, as you might expect, all stretches directly into what we're experiencing and have experienced over the last three-plus years. There are also numerous recent examples that are going to tie in with this written example or written description of propaganda that I want to describe. And I'm going to read from a book here written by an individual who is very well known in history, but 
I want to, uh, w- without mentioning the author's name or even the title of the book, I'm going to read from it first, bring up current examples, and then at the end of this episode, I'll mention the author and the book where the descriptions of propaganda actually come from. Because even the message that you're going to hear me read from this author and historic figure, even their messages and definitions of propaganda have been twisted throughout history to be incorrect. For a variety of reasons. Again, for the purpose of evil propaganda existing to then trick people into believing that something is one way when in fact it isn't. So let me get into that now, and then throughout this episode, again, I plan on bringing up rather specific examples that are currently taking place in society and in the news that have everything to do with propaganda. But the overarching point that I want people to understand, and I again, I'm not, I'm not the only one that knows this, that there is good propaganda and there is evil propaganda. That propaganda by itself is a phenomenon. It is not a bad word. It does not by default mean that it's bad. We again have been propagandized our whole lives regarding a great many things. And it's not all bad, is it? There are lots of things that that we've heard and experienced and seen with repetition hundreds, if not thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of times over the course of our lives that have remained in our lives and are very positive things. So if you have it in your head that the word propaganda is, is bad, I would say no, it's not. It, it only depends on who's using it and what are the means and ends with which they're using it for essentially. So let me start off with this. This is a direct quote from this text, and I'm going to read a great deal uh, from this, but bear with me because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you it's worth it, and it's one heck of a history lesson. So it says the following, there seems to have been, quote, no clarity on the very first question. Is propaganda a means or an end? It is a means, and must therefore be judged with regard to its end. It must consequently take a form calculated to support the aim which it serves. It is also obvious that its aim can vary in importance from the standpoint of general need, and that the inner value of the propaganda will vary accordingly. Skipping ahead just briefly, it says, When the nations on this planet fight for existence, When the question of destiny, to be or not to be, cries out for a solution, then all considerations of humanitarianism or aesthetics crumble into nothingness. For all these concepts do not float about in the ether. They arise from man's imagination, and they are bound up with man. When he departs from this world, these concepts are again dissolved into nothingness, for nature does not know them. And even among mankind, they belong only to the few nations or rather races. And this is proportion as they emanate from the feelings of the nation or race in question. Humanitarianism and aesthetics would vanish, even from a world inhabited by man, if this world 
were to lose the races that have created and upheld these concepts. But all such concepts become secondary when a nation is fighting for its existence. In fact, they become totally irrelevant to the forms of the struggle as soon as the situation arises, where they might paralyze a struggling nation's power of self-preservation. And that has always been their only visible result. Skipping ahead slightly here, it continues. It says this was the only possible attitude toward war propaganda in a life-and-death struggle like ours. If the so-called responsible authorities had been clear on this point, they would have never fallen into such uncertainty over the form and application of this weapon. For even propaganda is no more a weapon, though a frightful one in the hand of an expert. The second really divisive question is this. To whom should propaganda be addressed? To the scientifically trained intelligentsia, or to the less educated masses? It must be addressed always and exclusively to the masses. What the intelligentsia, or those who today unfortunately often go by that name, what they need is not propaganda but scientific instruction. The content of propaganda is not science any more than the object represented in a poster is art. The art of the poster lies in the designer's ability to attract the attention of the crowd by form and color. A poster advertising an art exhibit must direct the attention of the public to the art being exhibited. The better it succeeds in this, the greater is the art and the poster itself. The poster should give the masses an idea of the significance of the ex exhibition. It should not be a substitute for the art on display. Anyone who wants to concern himself with the art itself must do more than study the poster, and it will not be enough for him to just saunter through the exhibition. We may expect him to examine and immerse himself in the individual works and thus, little by little, form a fair opinion. A similar situation prevails when what we today call propaganda. I want to stop it there first because I want to describe a couple of things here. First of all, if we go back to 2017, that was around the time when, of course, the Q drops started to occur. It is beyond evident that the Q-drops were positive or good propaganda. Why? why? Why was that the case? Which, by the way, I know someone listening to this would say, whatever, it was a PSYOP. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. You would be correct. It was a psychological operation designed to purposefully use factual propaganda in order to drive people in a particular direction, which is examine your government, understand that God is real, and that your country matters, and your life matters. That was the root, that was the foundation on which any propaganda that came after it that was good was sitting on, and standing on, and being built upon. The author clearly describes that if good propaganda is designed to work the way that it is intended, it has to hit the masses, number one, and on top of that, it has to be factually accurate. It has to be the facts. What was interesting about the Q-drops was they also took a particular bend 
in asking questions and utilizing the Socratic method. So particular questions would be asked, and then it would drive an individual to say, well, why would they ask that question? What is it about that person, or what is it about that subject, or what is it about that geographic area that has such significance that a particular question would be asked about it? And then, on top of all of that, as those of you who know who followed those drops, there would be direct evidence that would prove a great in many things. We would, of course, read these drops and then seek out the answers ourselves as would countless other people. The masses did, as a matter of fact. And we would connect these dots and draw these lines and make these connections and do exactly what any thinking person would do. But we were led to do that. We were led to do it. We, we not only did it because many of us were already waking up, we were already connecting the dots. We were already seeing crime and inconsistency and immorality take place on such a large scale, including evil propaganda, which is brainwashing, and the normalization of evil propaganda, which of course is designed to distract, brainwash, get people to believe things that are not real. And then before you know it, with evil propaganda, you have an individual walking around who believes everything to be one way when in fact it is not that way. And as I've described in past episodes, and as you have heard and seen with endless examples, whether it come from a school board or it come from another video that takes place or something within a school or something out in society or a workplace or whatever it may be, you see the emotional collapse of these individuals and the hysteria that they engage in when they come face to face with their comfortable delusion. And they start to recognize, wait a minute, what I'm witnessing here is unbelievable to me. And then they emit or emote a particular emotion that is usually one that looks hysterical to us. It looks hysterical to us, though, because we know what's going on. So, the significance of those cue drops cannot be understated. And for the people making fun of those cue drops, or again, not understanding the definition of the word propaganda, or not understanding the, the, the full scope of the word psychological operation, then you don't know what, what was going on. And you're downplaying that importance. The importance can't be mentioned enough. We would not be here having a show like this or Endless people who have endless shows discussing a great many things. They wouldn't be there if it wasn't for both good and evil propaganda existing. The difference, of course, is that some of us recognize what evil propaganda is and looks like, and we don't believe it. But others drink it in, don't they? And I want to provide you one example of an area or an avenue and certainly an event that took place this past week and this past weekend that is not only the full scope of the definition of propaganda, but it is just that. It is, it is good and evil propaganda all smashed together. And you can see exactly why that's the case because you have endless people 
seemingly on one side of the political aisle, which is evil propaganda in itself, that there's these two sides divided and they're constantly fighting one another, when in fact there's just the truth and there is only one way. But the event that I'm referencing is the CPAC conference. Now, I'll fully admit that in past years, I would observe this particular conference with with interest because I was interested in seeing, again, what were the messages that were being said. What was interesting about this past conference, which I did not watch, is that of the small snippets that I've seen from, from particular speeches or you know a lot of the clips that are making their way around the internet, is that there were less people who attended. The hypocrisy among the individuals who run the conference, like Matt Schlapp and all these other people, these rhinos basically, who basically just sway with the wind. They are a sail on a boat. And they go whichever way they think that they're going to receive the most amount of money and the most popularity. They are propagandists, but not for good reasons. And then the other thing that occurred again was, is when I would observe these in the past, and I even again saw some of the clips from this past conference, the question I would ask myself in particular today is, is what words are they using and what are they, what are they actually saying? So. If you can imagine 10, you know, uh, let me see, 10 single dollar bills right in front of you, all lined up, okay? 10 $1 bills. Pick up one of those $1 bills and you have to put it into the middle of the pot on the other side of your, your line of dollar bills and, and just hold it up in the air and ask yourself this question Do you think that at the CPAC conference, you heard the COVID vaccines, quote unquote, not vaccines. Do you think that you heard those called bioweapons? If you believe that you heard the COVID, quote unquote, vaccines be called bioweapons, then put that $1 in the pot right in front of you. Because my money is, is that you're not, you're not doing that. You're keeping that dollar because you know that they probably never used the word biological weapon, when in fact, it is a biological weapon. So when you think about propaganda, by not calling something what it actually is, is that good propaganda or is that evil propaganda? That's evil propaganda in my mind. And based on the definition of propaganda and how propaganda is used, if you're perpetuating a lie, then that's evil propaganda. It does not matter who it is that's saying it. It doesn't matter what color their tie is. It doesn't matter what letter is before or after their name. None of that matters. If the individual isn't using factual information within their own vernacular on a consistent and constant basis, then they are believing either evil propaganda or they are perpetuating evil propaganda with or without their knowledge, knowingly or unknowingly. So my money is that the word bioweapon was not used. I also saw another clip of a guy who was on a panel with all people, Dr. Robert Malone. And this particular guy who was talking could have used the word 
depopulation. But he didn't. He held back. He said to himself at the beginning of this, I thought that this was all a bit weird, and then I started to read a little bit into history and, and what this actually means, and I realized that it's not really about an illness, that it has more nefarious short-term and long-term effects and blah, blah, blah. And he just kept kind of bouncing around the opportunity to use the word depopulation, which he didn't use. He did use the safe phrase, which is Agenda 2021 or Agenda 2030. Now, in there, within that agenda, you'll see the word depopulation or population reduction. But he didn't want to say that. He even prefaced his comments by saying, well, this is just my opinion. In fact, I'm going to play what he said, and you'll hear the wordplay that he engages in because he's afraid of telling the full truth. Whether he knows it or not, that's up for debate. But he could have had the opportunity, he could have done it if he wanted to. So I'm going to play this individual right now, give what he said a listen. When I first started doing my research, um, I thought the same thing. I thought that uh, this was about an election uh, or it was about money. Uh, and the, the deeper uh, I got into the topic, I realized that, in my personal opinion, uh, that that's really not the case. Uh, for any of you that haven't done it, just print out Agenda 21 on two pages. And uh, it's that thick. 1992, uh, these people were dead serious about, about it. And they have a timeline that they're, that they're trying to hit. Agenda uh, 2030 is smaller, but it's, a, it's an addendum to it. So, so I think it's a little, uh, a, a little deeper than that, a little more nefarious than that. Uh, I think it's probably the most uh, well-planned PSYOP in the history of the universe. Um, and I think that... Um, I, I, and I'll also say, I, I don't think that uh, uh, the average politician in Washington is aware. Now, again, my apologies, his name slips my mind, but he was on a panel with a, a guy named Josh. I, I remember his first name. He works for the Epic Times. Uh, Ronnie Jackson was there, the congressman who used to be a White House doctor, and Robert Malone. You could hear what he was saying, that he started to learn about particular things. He started to, of course, mention Agenda 2030, Agenda 2021, so on and so forth, but then he ran cover for the politicians. By saying, well, the average politician in Washington just has no idea what the hell's going on. They don't know how nefarious this plan is. Ladies and gentlemen, they know. They know. They're supposed to know. It's their job to know. It's their job to investigate. They are, in fact, representatives, or they're supposed to be, of the people. But if the people know more than the politician, then why is the politician even there? What is the point of even having them around? So if what he says is true, which I don't necessarily believe, then the, the role of a politician is useless. It's absolutely useless. The other thing to keep in mind, too, regarding the power of propaganda, in particular whether it be good or evil, is it allows a person to just blatantly ignore it. A person can still ignore both positive and negative propaganda. And there are endless avenues of individuals who have ignored this kind of propaganda. Again, whether it be positive or negative propaganda. 
There's a recent story here that goes right in line with this, which is from the local university where I live, Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. This is a recent story, again, you can't make this up, but it proves all of the individuals who attend these universities and have no idea what's going on are, of course, the victims of this propaganda and this evil propaganda that has existed over the last couple of years, three years now, and how that is leading to decisions that are actually exposing the fact that they don't know what's going on and that they are, in fact, the victims of the evil propaganda. Now, with that said, we're all victims of it, but listen to this. This is the actual headline. Miami University student group wants morning after birth control vending machine. So there's a student, <laughs> honest, honest to God, there's a student group that exists on campus that is called the Associated Student Government of Miami. These individuals have a website, a Facebook page, uh, a, number of, a number of things. They have no idea what the shots are doing. They have no idea that you can't have children if you've had these shots. And if you do, the likelihood of your child being remarkably ill or certainly not surviving very long is remarkably high. But the ill effects of these biological weapons are having a direct impact on the reproductive organs of both men and women. And yet here they are squabbling about having a vending machine for plan B or morning after pills that are over the counter. That, that's multiple dimensions deep of brainwashing and evil propaganda that has worked on them. Not to mention, of course, they attend the university, which means they have to be jabbed in order to attend unless they have filled out a medical exemption or a religious exemption. And let's not kid ourselves, if they're squabbling over birth control, they did not fill out a religious exemption. I think that pretty much goes without saying, but there's no way that they filled one out. So these are, at the very least, double if not triple or quadruple jabbed people talking about a thing that shouldn't exist because it can't exist because even if they wanted to get pregnant, they can't. Even if they wanted to carry a child to term, the likelihood of that happening is slim and none. So I emailed these people, as you would expect, and I told them that. I told them what I just told you. And then I linked in the email to them a couple of articles that clearly define that these shots make it next to incapable for anybody to get pregnant. So, jokes on them, even if they wanted to, they can't. But the very arguing and uh, policy decisions going into such a thing, again, it would be the only Ohio University that has such a thing on its campus, and they believe this to be a very important thing. It, of course, isn't. The preservation of their own life should be at the forefront of anything that they are reading participating in, or paying attention to, but they aren't. 
Their entire direction is all manipulated by evil propaganda, and now it's leading to decisions that just further that evil propaganda and the means and the ends of that evil propaganda, which is, of course, like I said at the beginning of this, they continue to remain alive but come to grips with what they've done to themselves, which is like a living hell, or they end up dead and incapable of doing all of those things that the normal human mind would imagine themselves doing over the course of a life, in particular when they were younger and healthier. Before this, evil propaganda psychological depopulation agenda even even rolled out, or was even a thought in anyone's mind. So again, are such students and such organizations and such quote-unquote missions that they're describing and talking about is that, is that propaganda or evil propaganda in itself? Of course it is. But they don't know what they're doing. They don't know that they are the useful idiot. They don't know that they are perpetuating evil propaganda because they themselves have been controlled and victimized by it, frankly, their whole lives, certainly the last three years. They have no idea which is why evil propaganda is effective and is impactful. Now, I want to continue with this book with this very short sentence here, because the, there should be one massive thing that immediately pops into your mind when it comes to really good propaganda, and propaganda that we've all used, and we've all texted each other, and we've all emailed, and we've all moved around on social media. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The author says the following, quote, The function of propaganda does not lie in the scientific training of the individual, but in calling the masses attention to certain facts, processes, necessities, etc., whose significance is thus for the first time placed within their field of vision. Unquote. What does that sound like to you? If you said memes, or you thought to yourself, that sounds just like memes and memeing, you would be correct. That's what memes are. In fact, not only did the Q-drops specifically use memes and memeing, it encouraged people to use memes and make memes and learn how to do that and build memes. Because memes are a form of good propaganda, by and large. I say by and large because there are good people who unfortunately perpetuate falsehoods while using particular memes. For example, there are individuals out there, and I am not one of them, who believe that Ashley Babbitt is dead. I think Ashley Babbitt is alive. I've seen the video by Woo's News. I've even linked it in the description below of previous episodes of this show. It's on BitChute, W-O-O-Z-N-E-W-Z, if I'm not mistaken, or N-E-S, Woo's News. Um, and it is, it's an excellent 20 to 21 minute video that breaks down the entire thing and the et entire situation and anomaly that was the Ashley Babbitt quote-unquote shooting. It's beyond evident that she was not shot. It's beyond evident in that video that she had blood bags. One was placed in her right hand, 
and the other blood bag was around her abdomen on a belt, so that if you squeezed it, that red a red substance would come out, a red liquid would come out. There's no doubt that all of that was done for the purpose, again, of riling up the crowd to get people more angry maybe than they already were, and then engage in physical violence against either Capitol Police, government officials, whatever it may be, to just get more people arrested. As we know, it was a trap, and Ashley Babbitt was a participant in that trap. She knew what she was doing. The people around her knew what they were doing, all of the handlers and the cameramen and XYZ. Now, is that evil propaganda? Probably. But there are people who have used it and twisted it to, make it to even make it good propaganda in the sense of saying, hey, look what the Capitol Police did. They killed an innocent person. You know, there are people who actually died that day and didn't fake their death. Roseanne Boylan, if I'm saying her name correctly, forgive me if I'm not, she was actually beaten to death and stomped on by Capitol Police and other individuals outside of the Capitol building. But see, you don't see Roseanne Boylan's mother perpetuating that propaganda or that that psychological operation by showing up on the steps of the Capitol building or being interviewed by Marjorie Taylor Greene or having one story after another created around that or around her or their family by the Gateway Pundit or uh, all of these other outlets. Because that was, an actual, that was an actual killing of a person. Again, there are endless examples, but that's just one of them. But the memes, back to the memes, the memes are remarkably important because there are many of them. And if you were to take all of the memes, certainly the ones that are the most effective, what are they typically rooted in? Because the author says this exact same thing and, and said it earlier, and I already read it, and we'll continue to read it here in a minute. But they continue to say that if good propaganda is going to be used, it has to be psychologically sound. It has to be rooted in fact. And it has to be simple enough for the masses to not only understand, and if they see it thousands of times, they will by default move it on to other people to get other people to understand what they now understand to be true. The most effective memes are the simplest ones that have to do with individuality, our creator, God, the land we live on, and preserving all of that. That's the foundation. Anything past that is equally as important, but that's the foundation. So anything past that could have anything to do with prepping, you know, by, uh, by, by keeping food, uh, food on hand and, 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 you know, consumable clean water and not destroying the environment, uh, along with government corruption and preserving the Second Amendment and the First Amendment and uh, quotes from the Founding Fathers and so on and so forth. But all of it, again, is rooted in God, the, the preservation of our country, the formation of our country, individualism. And maintaining, again, our existence as humans, the family structure, and that's about it. 
But anything that branches off of that again is equally as important. But memes are clearly propaganda. They're clearly good propaganda. And the funniest part is that the enemy cannot use memes to their advantage. They can't meme. Now, why can't they? And this has been, again, I'm sure brought up by countless individuals before, but they can't meme effectively and they can't propagandize effectively for the purposes of good because they don't have the facts on their side. It is quite literally that simple. They can't meme because they don't have the truth on their side. What they have is not psychologically sound. Wear one mask, wear two masks, wear three. Uh, wear them while you're driving around inside of a, inside of a car. If you, if you find yourself in a building, wear a mask. Take one shot, two shots, three shots, four shots, five shots. You need to take COVID shots as often as you take a flu shot, and you should be doing that anyway yearly. None of that works. None of that is sound. None of that makes sense. Which means the people who believe it are quite literally irrational and not psychologically sound. That's been the divide that, of course, exists in our society that, unfortunately, we've all had to witness and we've all had to see. But memes can be as simple as a picture, and you've seen this meme, a picture of a child. And the child is looking directly into the camera. So you can see again their entire, the, the entire front of their face, the, uh, the eyes, the innocence of, of who they are as a child. And it will say something like, the enemy is after me and you need to be in the way. Something, something to that tune or some variation of that. We, we've seen those memes before. Those are impactful for a variety of reasons, and that is good propaganda because it's getting down to the root of the matter. Children, upbringing, family, preservation. That's the point. Again, the word propaganda is not a bad word. It's a good word. It just depends on who's utilizing the propaganda, what are their means, what are their ends. Here's another one I just came across, and I'll put it on the, uh, on the next war video. It's a picture of a child in rather older traditional dress, and they're drawing on a wall. And they're drawing multiple variations of what I believe is the Nikola Tesla 369 uh, diagram. I could be getting that wrong, but that's what it looks like to me. And at the top, it says, I am immune. And then below the individual, it says, to mind control. That's it. I am immune to mind control. And she's drawing, again, the image of frequency, energy, volume, wh whatever, whatever that harmonistic imagery is. My apologies for getting it wrong. You probably know what I'm talking about, but, but that's what it is. And she has a basket on the floor next to her left foot with a Bible in it, a Bible inside of that basket. Again, that meme in itself, this picture in itself, is, is good propaganda. It's, it's a positive message. They're saying that they're immune to mind control. They're a child. 
So a child is telling you they're immune to mind control. They're also exhibiting, in the meme, their high level of intellect by being able to draw what they're drawing and they know the definition and the meaning of what it is that they're drawing. And then, of course, there's the creator component of the Bible in the basket. All of that matters. Bumper stickers on the, on the backs of cars, ladies and gentlemen. That's propaganda. Is it good propaganda or is it evil propaganda? That depends on how factually accurate it is. That's it. So let me continue with this reading from this book, from this author. And you'll probably still again think of memes as I'm reading this. You'll think of memes as being just an ultimate example of, again, a kind of propaganda that is used because it's factually accurate, psychologically sound, its means are ethical, and its ends are ethical. It says the following. They wrote the following, quote, The whole art consists in doing this so skillfully that everyone will be convinced that the fact is real, the process necessary, the necessity correct, etc. But since propaganda is not and cannot be the necessity in itself, since its function, like the poster, consists in attracting the attention of the crowd, and not in educating those who are already educated or who are striving after education and knowledge. Its effect, for the most part, must be aimed at the emotions, and only to a very limited degree at the so-called intellect. So what they're saying, of course, is that it has to draw out an emotional component. It has to reach a particular emotional trigger within a person in order to have a long-lasting effect. But to the individual who is already aware of it, to the individual who consistently seeks out those answers, it can be impactful to them, but not for a long-standing amount of time because they're already always seeking the truth no matter what. They continued, they said, all propaganda must be popular and its intellectual level must be adjusted to the most limited intelligence among those it is addressed to. Consequently, the greater the mass it is intended to reach, the lower its purely intellectual level will have to be. But if, as in propaganda for sticking out, for sticking out a war, the aim is to influence a whole people, we must avoid excessive intellectual demands on our public, and to much caution cannot be exerted in this direction. Very briefly, before I continue reading this, that's what made those Q posts so effective. It made them remarkably effective because they were as simple as simple gets, and yet they were also remarkably complicated. It was a mixture of both. And they were also speaking directly to what people knew existed, that Hillary Clinton was a criminal. That was one of the first Q drops, not an accident. They didn't start it off with a meme, did they? That psychological operation to wake up the masses, to help educate the masses, and then ultimately have the masses educate themselves wasn't started with a picture. It was started with, Hillary Clinton has been arrested. We are arresting her. She is going to be charged on this day at this time, bang, bang, bang. It immediately grabbed people's attention because they said to themselves, wait, what the hell is going on? Is this real? And then they started to question things, and then more drops came. 
and they kept coming. Some of them, again, were memes. Some of them were direct suggestions. This is also where the propaganda was not only good, but remarkably effective, was when it was occurring in real time. When a particular thing would happen on the news, and then you would get a cue drop if you were alerted to them on your cell phone. What would then happen was, is they would basically say, look what's on Fox News right now. And then you would turn on Fox News and see what's going on on Fox News. And then another Q drop would hit and say, see what I mean? This is what's happening with this particular thing. This is what this means, et cetera, et cetera. So it was happening. It was not just a psychological operation talking about previous events or even current events. It was talking about things that were happening at the very moment, very specifically, and then discussing things way in the past, like hundreds of years ago, with, again, quotes from Thomas Paine and uh, other, even, even the opposite end of that, very nefarious things, all the way to things that were happening in the future and things that were likely to occur in the future for both positive and even nefarious reasons. The reading continues, and it says the following, quote, The more modest its intellectual ballast, the more exclusively it takes into consideration the emotions of the masses, the more effective it will be. And this is the best proof of the soundness or unsoundness of a propaganda campaign, and not success in its pleasing a few scholars or young aesthetics. The art of propaganda lies in understanding the emotional ideas of the great masses and finding, through a psychologically correct form, the way to the attention and hence to the heart of the broad masses. The fact that our bright boys do not understand this merely shows how mentally lazy and conceited they are. Once we understand how necessary it is for propaganda to be adjusted to the broad masses, the following rule results. It is a mistake to make propaganda many-sided, like scientific instruction, for instance. The receptivity of the great masses is very limited. Their intelligence is small, but their power of forgetting is enormous. In consequence of these facts, all effective propaganda must be limited to a very few points and must harp on these in slogans until the last member of the public understands what you want him to understand by your slogan. As soon as you sacrifice this slogan and try to be many-sided, the effect will piddle away, for the crowd can neither digest nor retain the material offered. In this way, the result is weakened and in the end entirely canceled out." Unquote. I'm going to keep reading from this because there's a little bit left that I want to cover, a few more pages. But when I think of that, I think of the slogan, MAGA, Make America Great Again. It wasn't the first time it was used with Donald Trump. It was used, I believe, with Ronald Reagan. But Donald Trump took that and said it hundreds, if not thousands of times, certainly thousands of times dating back to when he first again mentioned that he was running for office. Was that effective? Was that an effective slogan? Of course it was. You can't say it wasn't. People bought 
MAGA hats. People bought MAGA shirts. They bought MAGA flags. And it wasn't just the purchasing of the, of the slogan or the item. It was because it was simple, it was effective, and it had meaning. It's a very simple, good propaganda slogan. Make America great again. Yes. And then, of course, when he was in office, it changed, didn't it? It changed because MAGA lost its flavor, just like the author states here regarding propaganda. It lost its flavor. It lost its flavor, and then they started to say, well, what about Keep America Great, or CAG, K-A-G? And then they tested that. He would even, <laughs> it was hilarious, Donald Trump would even do it during his rallies. He would say, okay, which one's better? Make America Great Again or Keep America Great? People still loved Make America Great Again. Why? Why is it that they still loved the MAGA slogan, even when we were starting to succeed again? Because we knew that we could still succeed more. There was more to be done. We weren't finished. There's always more to be done. But we also wanted to see justice. So yes, make America great again meant arrest the people who need arresting, execute and try or try and execute the people that we want to see that done to, continue to build things, repair the roads, repair the buildings, take back our culture from the Bolsheviks and the Marxists and, of course, the Kazarian Mafia. We have to make America great again because we're not there yet. Then, of course, it was allowed, Joe Biden was allowed, to take, to take office. Of course, he's not the legal president of the United States. You, you've heard me say that, which again sort of brings me back to CPAC just for a minute. Anybody saying that Joe Biden's the president of the United States at CPAC is perpetuating evil propaganda. That's not factually accurate. Donald Trump is the legal president of the United States, and everyone knows it who understands the law and constitutional law, certainly the military code of justice. He couldn't possibly give up his office legally to someone who did not win, and he knew that he did not win because he was the president of the United States. He was paying attention to all of the voter fraud that was taking place nationwide, which is why he made up Space Force. Again, I'm not carrying water for Donald Trump. I'm just saying that these dots are easily connected if people can be objective and look at them. So anybody, again, out there going, well, you know, Joe Biden's not really the best president and blah, blah, blah. He's not the president because he didn't win. Just like Katie Hobbs isn't the governor of Arizona. She didn't win. So... Continue to pay attention to those word usage and, and all of that word usage among individuals because, again, if they're saying things like that, then they are just believing evil propaganda, and now they're just the tool of the evil propaganda. And every news station, of course, is the tool of evil propaganda. The author continues here, and they said this, quote, Thus we see that propaganda must follow a simple line and correspondingly, the basic tactics must be psychologically sound. It is quite literally that simple, I might add. That's unquote, by the way, but it, it is really that simple. They have to be, it has, the, the message has to be direct, psychologically sound, 
to the point, factually accurate. And then it has to be repeated. Again, not in, not in the interest of brainwashing people. It's quite the opposite. It's to deprogram them from the deeply seated and rooted evil propaganda that, that has frankly existed since the formation of our country. You know, I can't help but think of that, that stupid play. I never saw it, and I never will. The Hamilton play about Alexander Hamilton. That is evil propaganda. Because again, anybody who understands anything about Alexander Hamilton would understand that of the founding fathers, Alexander Hamilton was not exactly one of the better ones. He was actually the one who wanted to keep as much of the British way of life existing over here in America. This is why Washington hated him, why Adams hated him, why Jefferson hated him. They didn't like him. He wanted a central bank. He wanted a massive military to fight other countries in foreign lands. He, he wanted a lot of that. And what happened to Alexander Hamilton? Didn't he end up dying as a result of a duel with Aaron Burr? Could have sworn that's, you know, that, that, that's how he ended his life. He was reckless. And his reckless behavior and his inability to grow into what the other founding fathers, certainly many of them, were interested in doing here in this country, getting away from the British way of life and the British way of thinking. It didn't work out for him in the end. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, a Puerto Rican leftist rapped about him on stage, on Broadway, of all places, and there you go. People just believe it. They soak it in. Oh, now I know everything about who Hamilton was because a Puerto Rican was rapping about him. They don't dare read a book. They don't dare read his own writing. And they certainly don't dare compare it to other founding fathers and their approaches on particular things. Therefore, it's evil propaganda because it's designed to pit pigeonhole a person into one way of thinking and believing a narrative set forth by other unknowledgeable individuals. It's sad, but it happens all of the time. The writing continues here, and it says the following, quote, The function of propaganda is, for example, not to weigh and ponder the rights of different people, but exclusively to emphasize the one right which it has set out to argue for. Its task is not to make an objective study of the truth insofar as it favors the enemy, and then set it before the masses with academic fairness. Its task is to serve our own right, always and unflinchingly. Unquote. Now what we know is that we know what our rights are as Americans. We had to be reminded of them, again with social media posts, memes, tweets, videos, posters, slogans, whatever it was. We had to be reignited with what our rights really are the Constitution, the Bible. That's why two of the most successful books that have been bought over the last five, six, seven years are in fact the Constitution and the Bible. And they consistently sell day after day after day. That's not an accident. That's a giant on purpose. And the people who organized all of this 
know exactly what they're doing. They do know that it's, it's getting the American people and even individuals in foreign land to come to grips with the fact that having a strong foundation should be the number one priority of not only the individual family within their own home, but the country as a whole. And if everybody took care of themselves within their own home, they wouldn't have to run outside and start screaming at the top of their lungs for government assistance. That government needs to help them, and I elected these people, and these people need to help me, and so on and so forth. If they just handled their own business and had a strong foundation, in fact, that was psychologically sound, then they would be just fine. But that, again, is why we see all of the emotional outbursts and all of the screaming and nonsense. It's because they're not psychologically sound. Because ultimately, their message is not psychologically sound. It's not rooted in fact. And when we show them that and we hold that mirror up to them, they scream like they're looking at Medusa's face. And they just, you know, they, they turn to stone or they just start screaming again. The author continues, and they say, quote, But the most brilliant propagandist technique will yield no success unless one fundamental principle is born in mind constantly and with unflagging attention. It must confine itself to a few points and repeat them over and over. Here, as so often in this world, persistence is the first and most important requirement for success. Now, we've seen again, unquote, by the way, my apologies, but we've seen exactly how that's used for both good and evil, haven't we? The enemy is persistent, but again, because their message is not psychologically sound or rooted in fact, their persistence gets lost, and their message gets lost. Let me use the bioweapons as a quick example because it's the most obvious. COVID is deadly. It came out of bat soup or whatever else. We're all going to die. Wear a mask. We're, we're, we're rushing the jabs. Get jabbed. Now, now there's two. Make sure and get another one because boosting yourself with a third shot now is like, is like charging your cell phone. And people were going, wait a minute. Now, people were saying, wait a minute at the word go because the government was opening their mouths, like me and like countless other people. But at the exact same time, they were consistently waking people up with their bad, evil propaganda because their bad, evil propaganda was consistently changing and heading in a worse and more illogical direction. So much so, again, wear a mask. Remember the footage? It's even in my last book, a picture of it. Uh, you know, the, the footage of... Even Fauci did this, along with a woman, putting a mask on and then putting pantyhose around their face to hold the mask even tighter to their nose and mouth. That was laughable enough, but this was the enemy's plan. And because, again, it wasn't rooted in anything that was psychologically sound, it's destined to fail. What the author is saying is that's the biggest mistake with any form of propaganda, good or bad. If the message isn't psychologically sound, rooted in fact, it won't last. In fact, it will have detrimental impacts on the people that they're trying to convince of their particular message, regardless of what it is. That's also why 
you've had a great number of people criticize the Q movement once they saw Joe Biden be fake inaugurated. They were setting themselves up with a false message of, everybody's going to be arrested by the military at a time of our choosing, and wouldn't that be great if it was on television during Joe Biden's fake inauguration? If you were to, again, I know Google does this a lot with their, uh, well, allegedly, but they do it with their, their word tracking system and how many people search for a particular word or a particular phrase. If you were to watch a drop-off of individuals not caring anymore about Q drops, it would happen around January 20th, 21st of 2021. That's when you would see it drop off and you would see people leaving the quote-unquote Q movement. And they would take all that knowledge and everything that they had learned and everything that they had experienced and they would immediately start to now discredit it. You saw Steve Bannon do that himself. I've brought up that example numerous times. You saw Steve Bannon do that on his own show after Joe Biden was fake inaugurated. He started screaming and yelling. We have to put up with his administration now. We have to do it. Nobody's coming to save you. Q's not coming to save you, blah, blah, blah. He got real angry, real mad, and was basically telling everybody, you just have to accept the fact that Joe Biden is now your president. No, we don't. No, we don't. We can think above it. We can, we can utilize the Q drops for what, they, for what they were, learn from it, continue to do our own learning, continue to do our own investigation. That's why the people who continue to learn aren't looking backwards at Q drops. They're even still keeping them in front of their face because they're still relevant to this day. There's still more to learn. As even they said in the drops, you have more than you know. You have more information than you know. Not to mention the other positive slogans that existed throughout those drops. Trust the plan. Where we go, one we go all. These are impactful phrases and sayings. And, it's, and it doesn't mean trust the plan like there's some other plan that maybe we don't know everything about per se. It's up to interpretation. Trust the plan. Trust God's plan. There were biblical quotes in those Q drops. That's very important. Because again, it speaks again to that, that sound foundation that that good propaganda was used to galvanize people all over the world. And it did. And it still has. The author continues. It says, quote, they said, quote, particularly in the field of propaganda, we must never let ourselves be led by aesthetics or people who have grown blasé, not by the former. Because the form and expression of our propaganda would soon, instead of being suitable for the masses, have drawing power only for literary tees. And for the second, we must beware because, lacking in any fresh emotion of their own, they are always on the lookout for new stimulation. These people are quick to be wary of everything. They want variety, and they are never able to feel or understand the need of their fellow men who are not yet so callous. They are always the first to criticize a propaganda campaign, or rather its content, which seems to them too old-fashioned, too hackneyed, too out-of-date, etc. They are always after novelty, in search of a change, 
and this makes them mortal enemies of any effective political propaganda. For as soon as the organization and the content of propaganda begin to suit their tastes, it loses all cohesion and evaporates completely. That just proved my point. It proved my point that they set themselves up, the people again, believing that the Q drops somehow meant that Joe Biden was going to be arrested on that fake inauguration day in January of 2021. That when that didn't happen, they immediately just abandoned all of it. They went, well, that's it, I'm done. Q was a psyop. F this and F that, and I'm done paying attention to it. That's when that happened, because they gave up. They didn't understand the larger point and the larger picture. They were constantly reaching for something new. We need, we need an arrest. We need a hanging. We need this. We need that. Not knowing that if you go back again and you watch that inauguration, there's some jacked up stuff that goes on that is not ordinary. I mean, we were watching it happen. And you've heard me bring up those examples. Endless things. Everybody's wearing the mask. That was propaganda. That was evil propaganda. It was one of the shorter inaugurations. That was clearly on purpose to send messages that, look, you're not watching something that's real here. Something else is going on. The videos regarding the addressing of the wreath of the unknown soldier and the wreaths and all of that stuff, those, those military individuals were not in proper military garb. Uh, the 21-gun salute, there was no 21-gun salute. It was like 14 or something like that. It wasn't what it was supposed to be because we weren't watching what was really supposed to be taking place. We were watching something else. We were watching something that was unnatural, and it was supposed to be unnatural to our eyes. It continues, the author does. They said, quote, The purpose of propaganda is not to provide interesting distraction for blasé young gentlemen, but to convince, and what I mean is to convince the masses. But the masses are slow moving, and they always require a certain time before they are ready to notice a thing. And only after the simplest ideas are repeated thousands of times will the masses finally remember them. This again is remarkably important for a variety of reasons because the enemy's evil propaganda is consistently being played out even now in the UK. You heard me mention it with uh, Dr. McCutcheon, Robin, in the last episode regarding the job postings of individuals who are going to be basically keeping track of forced vaccinations on people. Their own health minister in the UK just got caught, Matt Hancock. This text thread is is all over social media. It's bouncing around everywhere. And then, of course, he ran to the news stations to basically say, look, there's another variant coming out, but it's all planned. The whole thing is fake. So in this thread, Matt Hancock is having a, a conversation with a guy named Damon Poole. Matt says the following, we frightened the pants off of everyone with the new strain. But the complication with that Brexit is taking the top line. Damon responds and says, yep, that's what will get proper behavior change. Matt Hancock responds and says, when do we deploy the new variant? When do we deploy it? See, they have a plan. It's not about a real variant. It's about their scare tactics. When do we start talking about 
a new variant and how this isn't going away and keeping people in a perpetual state of fear. They can't keep the lie going forever. This is why their message is failing. Damon responds and says, been thinking more about this and think we need to be more cautious, the strain that is. Think you made the point earlier, but we need to keep schools off paperwork slash agenda. And Matt Hancock says yes. Damon responds, and and that's important too, because they're basically saying we don't need to scare the children or schools again. And when it comes to forcing any paperwork on anybody, let's keep the schools out of it. Because we saw what happened here in America with the school situation. But they're saying this now in the UK. Damon responds and says, worth doing a bit about no leaking at the top, I think. Big risk with the variant right-wing papers go for a renewed push or let it rip on the basis the vaccine strategy is undermined. And Matt Hancock replies, that's why we reassure on the vaccine, unquote. So again, in the UK, they're purposefully using their evil propaganda yet again in a variety of directions, and their backfall or their backstop is just keep telling people to get vaccinated with what people should know by now is a biological weapon. The author wraps up and says this in this book, in their text, quote, There, propaganda was regarded as a weapon of the first order, while in our country, it was the last resort of unemployed politicians and a comfortable haven for slackers. And, as was to be expected, is its results, all in all, were zero. Unquote. Ladies and gentlemen, the book that I read from is Mein Kampf, and the author is Adolf Hitler. He specifically is talking about the propaganda that was used by the Americans and the English before and during the First World War, and how evil propaganda was being used against the German people, even by Germany's own government. And he brings up a number of examples one of which is remarkably interesting, and it was incredibly effective, and it demoralized the German people and the German soldiers, and of course led to their loss. Of course, everybody loses in war, but during the First World War, governments, both the German government and others, in particular the German government, but other governments did it to the Germans too, they would drop leaflets to soldiers on the front lines in the trenches. And those leaflets would be fake messages that were fiction, works of fiction, talking about German women, mothers, and wives being lonely, depressed, and becoming sad and mentally ill because their husbands, fathers, sons, brothers were fighting in the war and were gone for lengths of time. All that did as you might expect, was demoralize the people on the front lines of a war. When you demoralize the people on the front lines of a war, you're not going to win. You're going to lose. The struggle that exists now with what we're seeing again regarding both the good and the evil propaganda is we're all watching people be victimized by it. 
to the absolute ends that the means brought about, which of course is individuals believing the mask wearing, believing the shot taking, and now all of a sudden they're sick and they don't know why, or they're dead. And people know why, and other people don't know why. Or people have come to grips as to why that's the truth and why other people can't come to grips with it. It's the confusion that continues to persist that is really the hardest for all of us to watch. And that's not going to go away. It's going to continue, and the confusion and the response and emotional response to confusion is going to continue. I think what we have to do, at least I'm going to continue to do it, is bring facts to bear on a psychologically sound basis, on a constant basis, as best I can, continue to meme, continue to engage in the war that we've been engaging in this entire time, continue to write, continue to make things as clear as humanly possible, and, as I just did in this episode, bring historic fact to bear that actually breaks down evil propaganda. Because what Adolf Hitler was describing was how evil propaganda will never win. But positive propaganda can win. And it can only win and galvanize people if it is factually accurate. The reason, of course, one of many, that, that Germany was, was completely destroyed in World War II was because the propaganda machine, the evil propaganda machine, was so strong against them from foreign countries that it was unsustainable. That all of the good propaganda that actually existed in Germany regarding their own people, their own preservation, their own way of life, maintaining their country, being financially sound the way that they were, being a crime-free country by and large, that all of that being the case, that the outside propaganda, you know, Uncle Sam needs you and the war bonds stuff and, and all of that, uh, calling Germans krauts, the name-calling, the, the messaging that existed, all of it, again, radio, newspaper, pamphlets, posters, you name it, all of it was so strong against the German people that it didn't matter how effective it was in Germany, they were just outnumbered. And, and that was it. But they fought to the end. And they fought until, again, the papers were signed and, and the treaties were made, and then everything, everything went, went the way that it went, which, as we know, the communists won. The Marxists, actually. The Marxists won. The Bolsheviks won World War II. And that's who Germany was fighting against. But we, of course, allied with the Bolsheviks and the Marxists. And how's that working out for our country now? Because, again, everybody talks about Operation Paperclip and uses the, the, the derogatory term Nazis. Well, we brought those Nazis over here. No. What we brought over here were Marxists. They were Marxists. We brought them over here to propagandize and brainwash the people over here. And what did we get? We got perverse entertainment. We got ungodly, inaccurate space exploration, which is all fake. 
all distract, uh, all for the purpose of distraction to take p- people further away from from God, and from the ground they walk on, and everything else that is that is morally sound, psychologically sound, and factually accurate. So, again, when when you hear of people talk about the term propaganda, in summary. Understand that it can be used for both good and evil. It is simply a method. It's not a bad word. But it's been perversed into sounding like a bad word when someone says, oh, that's propaganda. Well, it depends, doesn't it? As you've heard, hopefully, throughout this show, and you understand, even I'm sure before listening to this, but you understand that it has to do with the hands in which the propaganda exists. And the mind that's driving said propaganda, is it evil or is it morally sound? So we're watching it still fight out right now. We're, we're, we're watching that propaganda battle continue to exist. Facts versus fiction, so on and so forth, back and forth. But the enemy is losing. I have no doubt. Let's go back to CPAC very quickly. That conference sucks. The people who speak at it suck. I hate to, you know, sound uh, juvenile about it, but it's true. The, the people who engage in that particular conference are as irrelevant as you could possibly imagine because the message is not the same. It's not the same. They'll call for change. They'll clamor for change. Change, 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 change. And then what happens? Donald Trump shows up. He says the same things by and large, that he has said a thousand times before and, and, and rounds out the entire conference with his message. That's always been the message, though. The problem is, is that it's gotten lost among a great many people, including all of the presenters and the people who are at CPAC, because those conferences are for the individual now. They're not for the collective. They're not for the masses. And more and more people, unfortunately, well, I should say this, this is a good thing. This is a fortunate thing. More and more people are noticing the irrelevancy of CPAC, which means those propagandist methods are being disintegrated in front of us. And that's a good thing. That's happening constantly, just like the quote-unquote COVID narrative. It's disintegrating. The next one to fall which is already falling and has been for quite some time, of course, is the Ukrainian message. How many people at CPAC were supporting Ukraine? How many people at CPAC were making fun of Vladimir Putin? Lots of people, which means their message is lost. They're irrelevant. Fox News pushes the Ukraine uh, you know, the, the Ukraine narrative all of the time. Putin is a warmonger and a murderer. No, he isn't. History is repeating itself because the methods of bad people repeat themselves and the messages and methods of evil propaganda repeat themselves. What we witnessed and experienced with the Q movement and those Q posts was the largest use of positive propaganda that has ever been used in the history of our time. And the only other one that I can think of would be Thomas Paine's writings, Common Sense and the like. 
That was all positive propaganda back then, and look what that did. That galvanized people into writing the Declaration of Independence and then the citizens of the colonies to fight the British. It ended in an odd way by not us having all of the rights that we should have had and that we could lose them very quickly, but it was still positive propaganda. And what we have experienced over the last number of years, five, six, seven years, is positive propaganda. But that doesn't mean that the evil propaganda is going to quit. They're creating, of course, new methods, the train derailments and the food shortages and the high prices, et cetera, et cetera. And those are realities because that's what evil propaganda does, tries to normalize that evil as being an everyday, you know, an everyday way of thinking. Well, this just happens. It's just an accident and it just happens. All of that's crumbling. No one's believing that much anymore. And they're going to lose. The enemy is going to lose. It's inevitable because they've been losing for a very, very long time. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something. With all of that said, ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you on Wednesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.